Thanks very much, Rosie, and good morning, everyone. Uh, Let's have a further word of prayer together. Loving Father, we thank you that all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. May the same Holy Spirit who inspired Holy Scripture now make this part of Scripture profitable to us this morning. Amen. Warnings. In this health and safety conscious world in which we live, life, everyday life seems full of warnings, doesn't it? Uh, health warnings and flood warnings and gale warnings. Warning, fire hazard, trip hazard, biohazard, radiation hazard. Warning, may contain nuts. Warning, may cause offence. Warning, may cause uncontrollable laughter. Warning, we will prosecute you if you exceed the speed limit or park illegally or drink in a public place. Warning, no photography, no mobile phones, no noise after 11pm. I'm still waiting to come across a warning notice that warns people not to trip over the warning notices. There's so many of them around. Well, it may be that uh, you hope to come to church in order to to escape from all of those warnings. Um, You say, I come to church to be inspired, to be uplifted, to be encouraged. Please don't keep warning me. And yet every preacher, indeed every reader of the Bible, needs to ask his or herself, why is this part of the Bible here? What did God put this part of the Bible, this part of Scripture here for? The uh, Apostle Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, uh, says, uh, refers to the experiences of Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness back in the Old Testament days, and says of these events, these things were written down as warnings for us. And then he continues by saying, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful you don't fall. I think those words stand also as a kind of placard over the first part of the passage that Rosie read to us a few moments ago. I'm focusing especially on this prediction by Jesus of Peter's threefold denial. I'd be most grateful if you have a Bible open in front of you. It was page 1021, and it's uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 27 to 31. The focus here is especially on Peter that Jesus, uh, and Jesus' prediction that Peter would re- deny him three times. Verse 30. Of course, we ought not to be too hard on Peter. He seems to have gone further than any of the other disciples in following Jesus, right into the lion's den, as it were. And it was only then, when he was on his own, that he actually denied his master. Where are all the others, we might ask, when Peter followed Jesus that far? And also we ought not to blame Peter too much because we are prone ourselves to exactly the same kinds of problem. 
we too are prone to failure, only often with less, much less provocation than Peter had. All the disciples fell away, not just Peter, and each one of us is prone to failure, prone to fall, in danger of falling away. So let's accept this and stare it, look at it straight in the face, this passage of warning, and let me attempt to divide the warning up into three parts. Here's the first part of the warning to us all. Never say, not me. Never say, not me. Twice, in verses 29 and verse 31, Peter boasted about his ability to cope. Even if I have to die with you, he says to Jesus, I would never deny you. But life, the Christian life, is full of traps. And that word, translated fall away, kind of hints at this idea of entrapment. And there are traps that lie before each and every one of us along life's path. We have no room to boast as Peter boasted that we could cope without help. Rather than exude self-confidence, Peter should have been on his guard. Eventually, of course, he learned his his lesson And years later, he would warn in his first epistle to his readers, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So it wasn't just Peter who's vulnerable. It was all followers of Jesus Christ. At this time, according to Luke's version of these events, Jesus said to Peter, I've prayed for you, Simon, using Peter's pre-Christian name of Simon. I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And I guess because of that prayer, Peter's failure was not utter and not permanent. But at the time, Peter didn't seem to think that he needed the help of Jesus. But he did. And so do we. Instead of boasting, Peter should have asked for help. And so should we. We can, of course, go directly to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. Or we can seek the help of others. If you are aware of your vulnerability and openness to failure this morning, why not take advantage of the opportunity to pray with others at the close of our service? But never say, not me. We are all prone to failure. Second part of the warning is this. Stop comparing yourself with others. Stop comparing yourself with others. Do you see what Peter does in verse 29? He declares, even if all the others fall away, I will not. He's looking around at the other disciples and saying, well, they might be vulnerable, but in comparison to them, 
I'm okay, I'm strong. I mean, James and John, those, thun- those sons of thunder, they might lose the plot. Thomas might be overcome by doubt. Andrew, sociable but not very bright, might give up. Even Judas. Where is Judas, by the way? Any of these might fail, but not me, strong Peter. As Christians, we perhaps are not always aware of how much time we spend comparing ourselves quietly with one another, sometimes negatively. Oh, I could never be a man or woman of prayer like her. I could never be so spiritually gifted as him. I could never be such a wonderful Bible teacher as that other person. We compare ourselves negatively sometimes with others. But also, and even more quietly, we compare ourselves positively. That person is prone to failure. I can see that person, that Christian's weakness. But surely not me. But each of us has his or her, not only strengths, to be nurtured and exercised, but also points of vulnerability and weakness that may be quite personal to ourselves. No, maybe we we might not fail in precisely the way that Peter failed, but there are other ways in in which we can stumble and fall. A stalwart of the church succumbs to an affair. Some other Christian develops a drink problem. Somebody else repeatedly loses control of his temper. Or maybe the danger for you and me is not any kind of sudden crisis, but more a slow decline. Just the preoccupations of work, leisure, and children and grandchildren, all legitimate in their own right, but sapping our spiritual energy. Failure in the Christian life is not always a burst tire. It's quite often a slow leak. So instead of comparing himself with the others, Peter should have been on his guard. He should have been watching and praying so that he did not fall into temptation, verse 38. But instead, he and the others fell asleep. We too should watch and pray and not fall asleep when we should be doing that. So never say not me. Stop comparing yourself with others. Another third part of the warning. Listen to God with both ears. Listen with both ears. Did you notice how in verse 28... Jesus predicted his resurrection. And not for the first time, for the fifth time, Jesus says, not only I will die, I will be crucified, I will suffer, but I will rise again. And he adds in verse 28 that after the resurrection, he will meet his disciples up in Galilee. What a prospect that could have been if only the disciples realised it, that beyond horrific death and entombment, entombment, there would lie resurrection and reunion. 
but it seems to have gone straight over their heads. Each time Jesus has spoken of his death and resurrection, Peter and the others only reacted to the first and never to the second. They had a hard enough job accepting that he would die. How could they possibly contemplate resurrection from death? When Jesus was crucified, they were devastated. They all fled. And when he was raised, they simply couldn't believe it at first because they had not allowed themselves to be prepared for it. Instead of hearing selectively, Peter should have stored up all that Jesus had said, both about his death and his resurrection. And then, in the day of crisis, he would have been better able to see the hand of God in the sufferings of Christ and then in the glories that followed. Let us hear and read scripture, God's word, with both ears. God, three and one. Jesus, God and man. Scripture, divine and human. Human nature, glorious and sinful. The world, God's wonderful creation and also the devil's playground. Salvation, now, and also not yet. Consider, says Paul to the Romans, the kindness and the sternness of God. And then he declared to the Ephesian elders in Acts 22, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Only a complete Bible can make a complete Christian. Let's listen with both ears and accept and welcome and believe and trust and obey the whole Bible. Conclusion. There would come a time when Peter would be able to face all of these things fearlessly. He would come to trust in God's redemptive purposes. He would come to believe in Christ's triumphant resurrection. He would come to experience the Holy Spirit's energizing power. Boastfulness would give way to boldness, a very different kind of confidence. But let us remember this morning that to be forewarned is to be forearmed. You don't wait until the boat starts to sink and then say, we'd better get some life rafts. Give up your 40 cigarettes a day habit now and not later when it may be too late. Let's not wait until a spiritual crisis hits us. Let's not imagine that it could never happen to us. Let's stop comparing ourselves with one another. Let's listen to scripture with both ears and so be forewarned and forearmed. But let's be thankful too that Jesus does restore people after they fail. Our Lord foresaw Peter's failure, but that did not stop, him, uh, stop Jesus choosing Peter in the first place or confirming him as a leader of the apostles 
afterwards. In fact, Jesus shared the Last Supper with Peter and the others just an hour or two earlier, knowing that they would all fail miserably. And so it is with us. Jesus knows not only our past, but also our future failures. But still, he invites us to his table. Here we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here we can find reassurance that the price has been paid for all our failures, past, present and future. And from here, we can be sent out, as Peter was, to love and serve the Lord. Amen.